going on people welcome back to the rotobahn podcast pete davidson here talking a little running backs today of the rookie variety sorry for the long wind up but i wanted a song with uh, the word run in it um i'm gonna try to get this podcast in under an hour probably will fail uh, but i'm gonna make an effort um probably should have gone with a song with a less you know a shorter wind up but uh you know Podcast efficiency is not one of my strengths, as you know. Um, what I'm going to do here is we're going to go through the top 10 backs uh, on my board as of now. Obviously, that can change after the draft. You never know who's going to jump up, what uh, what guys NFL teams might fancy. But these are these are Rotobond's top 10 as we go into the draft. Uh, we'll count them down from 10 to 1. And just, you know, put a little suspense on it. Um, and I'll just sort of, you know, what really I'm going to try to do is just give you my profile of these players so far, what I think they can do, where I think they'd be best uh, suited, what kind of offenses, so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, just why I like some guys more than others. You guys know the drill. So um, um, I will be, uh, actually, later this week, I'm going to be getting together with Jordan McNamara. We're going to try to do like a home-and-home home podcast. Uh, hopefully that'll happen. I'm going to do some running backs with him as well. Uh, then he's probably going to jump on this podcast and talk some receivers with me. Uh, I will also be doing um, a receiver podcast similar to this podcast. Uh, that'll probably come out, I don't know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, depending when coronavirus gives me some more time. Um, it's, you know, for those of you who don't know this, I, I live just 20 minutes outside of New York City. So um, life has been upside down. Um, at Rotobahn headquarters. Uh, hopefully all of you guys are doing okay. Um, obviously uh, my heart goes out to anybody who's got a sick friend or a sick relative, uh, somebody in their house, God forbid. Um, but you know, hang in there folks, that's all we can really do at this point. Um, so without further ado, let's get into this um, and uh, we'll get through the backs today. Um, as I said, receivers coming up after that uh, and we'll do um, a quarterback podcast with some, with some tight end talk uh, as well. Uh, all before the draft starts. So giddy up, let's go. So um, before we start counting down um, the top 10 running backs, let's talk just a little bit about landing spots. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there's just not enough good landing spots to go around, which is, you know, one of the reasons I would not be trading up right now unless I could get very close to the top, um, you know, in terms of trying to get a running back in a dynasty league. I think I'd rather let this thing shake out Um you know, it, it's quite possible that the way the landing spots shake around, 
you know, the, the, the best landing spot could go to a, a back that we have at five or six. That guy won't move all the way up to the top. Um, so I, I, you know, for me, um, I'm not really looking to trade up until after landing spots are in. That's just me. Um, I mean, it's like musical chairs with these running back jobs. You just don't know if you've got a seat until the draft music stops. Um, I mean, really, I mean, is there any team out there where, you know, a rookie's going to get the job without really earning it? I mean, you know, uh, even the Dolphins signed Jordan Howard, right? Um, the Falcons now have Gurley. So, um, there really isn't any job out there really, that's just screaming, hey, come in, you're the starter. Um, now, look, if the Dolphins were to sign, were, were to draft, uh, you know, uh, one of the elite guys, yeah, they come in and get that job from Jordan Howard, either right from the get-go or certainly early on in the season. Um, you know, but hey, the Dolphins are not exactly a juggernaut. So, um, you know, they're good in terms of opportunity, but not, not a great offense. So um, this is not a great year to be a running back coming into the NFL looking for a job. That has to be a factor. Um, but obviously the Dolphins would be a good spot for most backs. Uh, I think the Colts could be a place, uh, although, they, you know, with Mack and Hines, they can cobble together all three downs without much of a problem. They don't need to take a running back, obviously. Uh, the same goes for the Chiefs. Um, you know, I, I like all the backs that they have. Um, obviously, if they make the determination that there's a back that they want to draft, uh, that, you know, that's good, right? Now, you may not step into a gig unless you have, like, are one of the elite studs, and I don't see how that's going to happen. Uh, but any back that we like that goes to the Chiefs, that's good. I mean, it, it could be, you might be holding him for a season or more, but anytime I have a guy who's a heartbeat away from being a big cog in that offense, I'm happy about it. So we like the Chiefs as a landing spot. You know, I think the Eagles, uh, obviously Howard's gone. Miles Sanders, you know, showed us all the things we liked, but he also showed us some things we didn't like. Um, Boston Scott's there, but, you know, I don't know if they like Boston Scott as much as I do. So certainly the Eagles, um, there's some real estate there for an early down runner. Um, uh, I think, you know, the Redskins, um, even though they signed Barber, you know, you know, Bryce Love, we don't know when he's going to be healthy, if he's ever going to be the player that he was. Uh, Geis has been a guy who hasn't been able to stay on the field. So I think Washington is a spot that wouldn't be too bad. Uh, we mentioned the Falcons. Gurley's on a one-year deal. Uh, so um, even if Gurley plays well, uh, certainly he could look for greener pastures, uh, depending on what the Falcons do this year. So uh, the Falcons would be a pretty good spot, I think. Um, the Bucks maybe, in the end, could be the best spot if they happen to roll the bones uh, early. Um, you know, but Ronald Jones, you know, down the stretch showed some nice things. Um, he can run the ball for them. Uh, what Tampa really needs is to, you know, really shore up that passing down roll because Thomas Jones, while he can make plays in the passing game, he's not a glue guy like at all. Um, so, you know, they could make a move. Um, I know uh, Sigmund Bloom was pointing out on Twitter the other day that Arians has, you know, professed uh, a desire to have a back, um, you know, like some of the backs he said in the past, like Edge and people like that. Now, obviously, you know, if you can have a three-down monster, you want one. The question is, is Tampa in a position and do they have the inclination to pay for that player? I mean, I think you probably have to go... Um, you know, in the second round to get a guy like that, I, I would think, maybe even sooner. So, you know, the Bucks. if the Bucks go for it, they're a great landing spot. Um, so, you know, they're definitely on the list. 49ers is a good landing spot for a running back because it's a great ground scheme. It's a great offense. Um, it might be the kind of thing where you have to wait. But if, you know, if I 
grab a rookie back and he's on the Niners. I'm happy about that. Um, Seattle with the injuries to the two big dogs, maybe that's a place. Um, if they go early on a back, that could be a tip of their hand that they're concerned about both of those guys. Um, you know, the Rams, Sans Gurley, um, could maybe be one of the plum spots if we think that offense can get, you know, back in gear again after giving up two pretty big cogs that they've been leaning on. Um, you know, I think the Bengals, if the mix and holdout thing comes to fruition, uh, I don't know that it will, but, you know, they're on the radar maybe if, if, if the right back with them. But the thing is, they've got depth at running back. I don't, I just don't see them doing it. Um, the Titans with Henry tagged, I think the right back could be interesting with the Titans, but obviously you're, uh, you've got the potential that they re-tag Henry or extend him, and then you're, you know, you're pretty screwed. Uh, similar situation with the Cardinals, you know, the Drake is now on a one-year deal. If he stumbles, if he gets hurt, um, if he goes nuts and they don't want to pay him, um, you know, obviously that's a nice offense for the right back. So if a back we really liked went to Arizona, um, you know, that that, that could be a, a pretty good spot. And, and we obviously we like the offense there too. And unlike the receivers, if you get the back there, you don't have to worry about you know, the dispersal as much, the, the fact that they can spread the ball around so much, the running back sort of gets his, uh, especially if they can lead the backfield. Um, so, you know, for me, that's really, those are the landing spots I'm most interested in, um, where I'd like my guys to go. Uh, and that list, you know, as you can see, is uh, really not all that great. Um, okay, having that said, let's, um, let's get to these running backs. Coming in um, at the 10 spot, uh, is a back that I absolutely like, and I can see him having success in the NFL. This is a, a good, solid running back class. Um, there are years where this guy would be a little bit higher on the list, okay? Um, um, the guy we're talking about is Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vandy. 5'10", 214, ran a 4.51. Um, plenty of things to like with Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, he's got some explosivity. He's a smooth runner. Um you know, he's, he's versatile. Uh, I don't know if, you know, I think there's some schemes that would be problematic for him. He's sort of a one cut and go runner. I like him in a, a stretch zone kind of setup. Um, you know, he's a five year guy at Vandy. He's been around, he's smart. He knows how to run in their scheme and that shows. Um, so, you know, I think that all makes him look very good. Um, but, you know, there's nothing really exceptional about Keyshawn Vaughn to me. That, that's why he's lower on the list. He's good. I just don't see greatness. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Bilal Powell, uh, although he doesn't vary his base on inside runs the way Bilal Powell sort of learned to throughout his career. Uh, doesn't mean, I guess, you know, it's possible. But this guy seems sort of like he is what he is. Um, so, you know, he's bigger than Bilal Powell. That'll help. Um, but, you know, he to me, he's sort of that level uh, of a player. Um, so... You know, you know. I think one thing about Vaughn, I think that's worth mentioning, is he's probably the kind of guy where the dynamic of this year hurts him. Uh, if this guy's to sit around next year and then be going up against, you know, maybe another rookie in his backfield, um, you know, he'll be one year older and he's already an old rookie. Um, all of that uh, learned stuff will be a year on the shelf. You know, I, Vaughn is a guy I think it would really help him if this were a typical season. Oh, and if you heard that banging in the background, there's going to be some of that. Uh, sorry, that active construction site is still active. Um, and they're not practicing social distancing, I might add, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so Keyshawn Vaughn's my number 10. I like him. Uh, landing spot could probably move him up as high as 7 on my board. 
uh, maybe, maybe even six, but I don't see him getting much higher than that. Um, but definitely a player who is a guy that I can see myself drafting Keyshawn Vaughn in certain scenarios if he's on the board when I like him. So, um, you know, good, solid running back. Um, my number nine guy is Anthony McFarland. And he's a guy that I like quite a bit. Um, I, you know, I could see McFarland moving up conceivably as high as five, but probably not. He's probably going to be uh, in that seven, eight, nine range um, when I'm putting my rookie draft boards together uh, once we have all the landing spots and such. Um, what I like, you know, Anthony McFarland, he's, you know, Health is obviously a concern. His 2018 film reveals more explosivity than, than last year's film. Uh, ball security is a concern, um, but still a very exciting, aggressive runner who I, I think could really become something if his game sort of continues to evolve. The guys who uh, he sort of reminds me of are um, probably Dalvin Cook and Matt Burita more than anybody else, just because he runs like his ass is on fire. And I just, I like the style. He's a very aggressive runner. Uh, and I like that. Now, he needs to develop more nuance. He needs to show that he can stay healthy. Uh, but at 5'8", 208, ran a 4'4'4". Um, this is a guy, he's an on-the-ground kind of runner like Dalvin Cook. Um, so, you know, the fact that, you know, he didn't light up... Um, you know, the, you know, the, the vertical and stuff like that. It doesn't really concern me because of his running style. Um, and so he, he's a guy I really like. Um, you know, I, is he a guy I can steal in the third round? I would love to do that. Um, but, you know, it's probably worth mentioning that in this draft, the receivers are so good that it's possible I end up passing on McFarland in the third because there's a running, there's a receiver like like Terry McLaurin last year, where I'm like, how is this guy possibly still on the board in these drafts? So uh, McFarland is definitely a guy I could see myself getting a lot of shares of if things break right, um, and it's mostly sort of you know for upside. I think his ceiling is significant, but he definitely has floor issues. Definitely has them uh, via injury, via uh, you know not you know, not adapting to, to football on Sundays, that kind of thing. Uh, but definitely a guy, he's a little bit of a shiny object, um, but I, I genuinely like the way the kid runs. Um, and Maryland is sort of a funky offense. You know, it's not easy to, to judge a back in that offense, in my opinion, because they do a lot of weird stuff. But, you know, McFarland's a guy, I just, I like the way he runs. I really do. Uh, coming in at eight, um, another guy who we've actually already talked about him. He was in our, um, no, McFarland was as well, but, uh, Darrington Evans out of App State. Um, he's a guy coach really likes. Coach was on him. Coach is the reason he made the, uh, the pre-combine podcast. And, um, what we expected from him, um, is what we got. He weighed in, uh, at a weight that we were pretty happy with. I mean, he's a smaller back, but to have him at 203 and to then run a 441, that's exciting. He showed some of that, you know, explosiveness, jumping 37 inches, strong on the bench. I mean, 20 reps for a guy with his body type, uh, weighing 203 pounds. That's impressive. Uh, came in well on the broad jump as well. So this is a guy who can fly. He's also explosive. Um, he's strong. Um, and, you know, one of the interesting things about Darrington Evans, this guy didn't fumble in college. Uh, and when you watch him play, you can see why. He's really committed to carrying the ball with two hands until he gets out into the open. Um, and, you know, that's sort of a significant thing just because you can see it costs him some things. Now, um, will a different coaching staff encourage him to open up a little bit, sort of to, to, to keep that risk-averse thing when appropriate, but to maybe be a little bit more aggressive at times? You know, it's possible. Um, 
you know, Darrington Evans is a guy with a ton of upside. Um, if he can find the right scheme, he could really do good things. Now, do I see him as a lead back in the NFL? Maybe, but it would probably be the lead back in a committee kind of thing. Uh, but if you put him in a good zone scheme, this guy could do a lot of damage. He could be a real home runner, home run hitter for a team like the 49ers. He could be an excellent complement to a guy like... Um, like Alvin Kamara um, for the Saints, another team that can set running backs up well. Now, I don't know that he has the little things in the pass game that the Saints look for, so that's probably worth mentioning. This is a guy who's more explosive um, for me than he is really good at the game in terms of the intricacies. Uh, but he is coachable. Um, you know, App State was not the greatest offense in the world. So, you know, Evans is one of those guys where I, I could definitely see that once he's in the NFL for a year, we start to see nuance that we didn't see before because he's getting much better coaching and he's in an offense that's more geared, you know, to what he can do. So that's sort of what we like about Darrington Evans. Um, to compare him to the way I felt about a receiver, for those of you who remember Johnny Knox when he came out before his back injury with the Bears, you know, Evans is sort of like a Johnny Knox where we just sort of see what could be if things break right. So he's a running back we really like. Um, I mean, I like him enough where I pushed him ahead of McFarlane and Vaughn, who are guys I, I, I definitely like. So uh, Evans at eight, definitely like this kid. Landing spot sensitive for sure, but you know, he, you know, maybe he, if I had to compare him to a guy coming out last year, maybe he's this year's Justice Hill. I don't know that he's got vision like Justice Hill. You know, we really like Justice Hill's vision. Um, and I don't know if he's got, you know, the real interior quickness that we see with just with, with Justice Hill, but uh, he could sort of be that back. I think somebody on the uh, interwebs the other day said, I think sort of in a derogatory way um, that he, you know, he's getting this year's Darwin Thompson love. I don't know, maybe in retrospect we'll think that, but um, we genuinely like this player. This is not a group think, get behind what the pack is saying kind of thing. We liked Aaron, We liked Evans before he ran fast at the Combine. So um, we do not think this is uh, just sort of a, a guy who's getting a lot of pub. We, we think this guy can play. Um, now, number seven, and I'll say this, I think for me, seven, eight, and nine, uh, McFarland, Darrington Evans, and number seven, Zach Moss. They're sort of a tier for me. I like all of these guys. I just don't like them as much as the guys above them. Um, but Zach Moss is at seven. He's really in a virtual tie with Darrington Evans. Um, you know, the things that I don't like about Moss is he is 22, so he's a little older. Um, and he did have a certain not discrepancy, but sort of an unevenness in his production where he lit up some weaker opponents. But when I went and grinded the film on him, I saw more than enough good things in some of the games where his statistics weren't as good. He was still good. Um, and, and we always have to remember, we've talked about this a million times, um, but these running backs, when you look at just production, yards per carry, things like that, they are largely a function of the platform they work from, from the offense, the scheme, the quality of the offensive line, uh, the passing game's ability to keep a defense honest, that kind of stuff. Uh, and Moss was, you know, working from a mediocre place uh, in that regard, in my opinion. What do we like about this guy? Well, first of all, 5'9", 223. That's an attention getter right off the bat. Um, you know, is he... You know, super explosive? No, I mean, 33, 33 inches on the vertical. You know, pretty much what you expect when the guy's built like a fire, you know, a fire hydrant. 
Uh, but when you watch this guy play, and obviously he ran slow at 4.65, which clearly took a lot of the steam out of his internet buzz. Moss was a guy a lot of people were saying, oh, I really like Zach Moss. Then he ran 4.65, and you know a lot of that positivity just sort of evaporated right in front of us. I, I don't have a problem with the 4.65. First of all, if you watch this guy play, he's faster than that in pads. The fact that he's an enormous dude and compact and strong is all hell means that when he puts the pads on he does not lose much so i think the 465 he's not a you know a spandex runner he's a guy who runs well with the helmet and pads on so i think you know i think to me that's not fully representative of how well he does run in a game for what it's worth um so you know put him in I, i've got him more as a 46 guy than a 465 guy you could call that a distinction without a difference if you want, but but I don't think speed is going to be a big bugaboo for him. I really don't. Um, so, you know, what else do I like about Zach Moss? I like the fact that he's willing to stick his face in the fan and pass protection. Uh, he does a lot right in that area, though. I mean, he can get better. Uh, I think professional coaching will help him in that regard. Um, and, you know, I don't like to bring up the name Arian Foster, but... I see some commonalities between Foster and Moss just in terms of, you know, they're underrated for what they're doing at this stage of their career. And I like Moss's vision and his patience. Um, and I just think if he was in a scheme that was more friendly to him, that these traits might be a little bit easier to see. Now, do I think he's Arian Foster? No, I don't, because he he's a little bit more of a tight body type than Foster, who is really loose-hipped. But he's like, he's really good in the pass game, and he's got, you know, the the instincts of a good receiving running back. Um, you know, and and I like the fact that you know when he's in pass protection, he will get a shot on a guy. He he's got the ability to chip and get out into his pattern smoothly. Um, He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got good awareness. Um, he's more than just a functional receiver. He brings plus elements to the pass game. He can make some off-center grabs. Uh, he can handle that ball that's behind him without breaking stride. I've seen that a couple times. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's it's important to give this guy the credit for what he does well in a mediocre platform for it. Um, you know, I like the way he gets upfield after the catch. I think he's got good feet. Um, you know, and he, look, he's got uh, talented bloodlines. He's a relative. Uh, he's a cousin of Santana uh, Moss. So, um, I mean, that's certainly not a big deal. And he's, he looks nothing like Santana, plays nothing like Santana. But, you know, he comes from a, a talented family. I think that's fair to say. Um, so, Zach Moss is a guy. Now, is it possible that it just doesn't play at the next level, that he just isn't quite there in a couple areas. Yeah, it, it's possible, especially if he goes to a team that doesn't really use him right. But, you know, if Zach Moss went to Seattle, uh, you know, you know, if he went to Miami, um, if he went to Atlanta and sat behind Gurley for a year, there's a lot of places um, where I think he'd be effective. I think the Eagles would be a good landing spot for him. Um you know, the Rams could be a good landing spot for him. Uh, you know, the Titans could be a good landing spot for him. Um, so I think, you know, Zach Moss has a legitimate chance um, to, to be something. And, you know, I, he's we're about to get to my top six, and there's a definite, definite break when we're moving from seven to six. I don't want to make it sound like there's not, but Zach Moss is a guy I really like. Um, so... We hit number 10, Keyshawn Vaughn. We hit number 9, McFarland, which is, as I mentioned, the start of my sort of third tier. And that tier is McFarland at 9, Darrington Evans at 8, Zach Moss at 7. 
Now, my back at number six is in my second tier. It's a two-man tier, the six spot and the five spot. These guys are both capable of jumping up into that top tier if the landing spot is good enough. Um, at number six, this is a guy, and I have to say, I, I just don't really get why so many people are just like off this guy entirely. I, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I can take a guess as to why, but... Uh, I, you know, after what we've seen from Derrick Henry the last couple of years, I would think people would take A.J. Dillon more seriously. Um, and, you know, it, you guys know, if you listen to my pre-combine pod, I like this guy. He shows up and runs a 4-5-3 and doesn't get buzz. An effing 247-pound running back runs a 4-5-3, jumps 41 freaking inches, 23 on the bench, 131 inches on the broad and this guy's getting no love after the combine i'm sorry i'm i'm just at a loss um aj Dillon may be a guy i own a lot of now are there concerns yeah sure the guy like didn't catch any passes barely at all obviously he's got the look of a guy who could be um you know cast as nothing but an early down pounder in fact that's probably what he will be even in some of the best case scenarios um but you know what if he can catch <laughs> you know he's a good athlete you know the the footage we have of him catching the ball is not not all that bad now he gets handcuffed here and there if you watch the cutups it's not all beautiful but you know if he's with a good quarterback who can put the ball where it needs to be uh, i see no reason why aj dillon can't catch some passes um and he runs like a freaking runaway train this guy is not your typical huge back and again aj dillon's not a big back he's not a 222 pounder or a 230 pounder 247 this guy is up in the blunt range he you know he's up in the brandon jacobs area okay this guy's huge and he doesn't run like that this guy runs low now, when he gets out of the open field, he will straighten up and he can show some speed. I mean, he, he'll get caught from behind, sure, but no more than a typical back. Um, so, you know, to me, A.J. Dillon is a guy you just have to take him seriously. He has the ability to be a monster. Now, here, there is the other side of the coin. There's a reason I have him at six, and that is that his skill fit his skill set, excuse me, does not fit the trajectory of the league as well as some of these other guys, okay? I'm absolutely fully aware of that. I admit that. But let's keep an open mind on this player. If he goes to a team that loves to run, if this guy went to the Eagles, if he went to Seattle, if he went to the Titans and was sitting there giving them a reason not to franchise or extend Derrick Henry after this year, this guy could have a window into pretty serious production. And even forget about those three teams. What if this guy just got on a team that ended up being a good team and a team that spends a lot of time in the red zone? I mean, this guy's a touchdown monster inside the 10. What if this guy went to the Rams? You know, and, and he is the early down guy and the red zone guy, or the early down guy and the guy inside the five or whatever. So I to me, there are a lot of ways A.J. Dillon, you know, well, you know, what I don't know is if he gets a good landing spot, will that wake people up? I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't need to be woken up personally. I sort of hope the landing spot is, you know, not terrible, but not so much that all of a sudden he's going to leap up the board because I've seen... People who I respect a lot, 
who have this guy as like a third round rookie pick. I, I, I have scenarios where I can get this guy in the where I would be willing to take this guy in the first round. Now, your league scoring could have something to do with it if you know, if if running backs who don't catch passes for some reason in your league are just worthless, you know, okay, maybe you, you downgrade them. But we saw last year with Derrick Henry that a guy doesn't have to catch a lot of passes to be a great fantasy asset if he's a guy who can rack up touchdowns and rushing yardage. You know, is A.J. Dillon a guy you want to use on DraftKings? No, he's probably going to be more of a fan duel guy when you like the matchup or something. But for season long... You know, here's what I'm going to say about A.J. Dillon. The most important takeaway. Be open-minded to a good landing spot. And, and I'll tell you what I think of it after the draft, obviously. I'll, I'll firm this up. But I'm just... A.J. Dillon, Boston College, 21 years old, not getting enough love. Full stop. Okay. Um, at number five, and this is the... You know, this is the same tier... So, you know, A.J. Dillon for me is sort of like 5.5. These two guys sort of share the 5 and the 6 spot. But my number 5 guy is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU, 20 years old. Love this guy. He was up in the top tier before he ran 4.6. Now, how much am I downgrading him for 4.6? Not a ton. Let's remember, this guy's 5.7. So he is not a long strider, okay? He's a controlled runner. So his long speed is going to be a little bit less than. Now, I poo-pooed the people killing his long speed. So I will admit, I thought he was going to come in and run like 4.55, okay? So he was slower than I thought. I knew he didn't have great long speed, but I thought he had a little. As it turns out, he's, you know, not fast in a straight line, but very quick. Change of direction is sudden. He's tiny behind the line of scrimmage. He's tough to find. At 5'7", he's also 207, okay? So he's not tiny, all right? Short, but not tiny. 15 on the bench, he's got some strength to him. Jumped almost 40 inches, 39.5. So you see the explosivity, right? Broad jump, 123 inches. We see him, he's explosive. He's quick. He's sudden. He's smart. Excellent fundamental football player. He can run inside. He can run outside. No problems there. He's good inside because he's good in tight space. It's just that long speed element, all right? So I really like this kid. And I think in the right spot, he can absolutely be an NFL starter, maybe leading edge of a committee kind of guy. Maybe he ends up being pigeonholed as a passing down specialist or something like that who gets light usage on early downs. We'll have to see the landing spot you know, we'll try to profile the people who are drafting him, but slight downgrade for the combine, but only slight, only slight. So really like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I think one of the things about him that I like a lot is that I can't see a team that this guy couldn't play on. Doesn't need to go to a particular style of rushing attack. I don't think the type of passing attack that a team uses would make this guy a lesser player. Now, statistically, obviously, we always want our guys to be in great offenses, of course. Uh, But this guy can play in any scheme. So there's not a team where he's going to go to where I'm going to be like, yeah, well, that's too bad. Now, now, there are certain depth charts. I, I don't want him stuck behind Kamara. I don't want him stuck behind McCaffrey. I don't want him stuck behind Saquon and so on and so forth. So, you know, obviously depth charts are always an issue, but this guy's a good football player. I think on a per-touch basis, he's going to be a very good NFL running back. He's got a broad skill set, can play any down, any situation. Um, So, you know, now look, granted, 
you know, his his film as a receiver looks excellent. He did have an excellent quarterback. Some of these running backs didn't have that advantage, it's fair to point out. But look, the bottom line is he's just you watch his games, he's just performing game after game. He had such a good year. Um so I'm a big fan of this kid, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um so again, Keyshawn Vaughn ten, Anthony McFarlane nine, Darian Te- Darianton Evans eight, Zach Moss seven. And again, Evans and Zach Moss just really at a dead heat. Um, you know, you, you like Moss more because he's bigger. And and that's really the reason I gave him the nod is just because I think NFL decision makers are more likely to give the touches we want, you know, the amount of volume that we crave as fantasy owners. The 223-pounder is just because of the NFL, the way the NFL thinks, they're more likely to get that. So that sort of broke the tie for me. But by a teensy little amount, again, A.J. Dillon at 6, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 5, which brings us to the top four. Um, and before we get into the top four, I just want to say that the separation in the top four is minuscule, okay? Number four is just tiny little fractional elements behind number one. I really like these top four backs, and um, three out of the four of them are absolute three-down backs. Um, so let's go. Let's go. Number four overall is my guy J.K. Dobbins, uh, who we talked about a little bit um, in the pre-combine uh, pod, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Dobbins has been a guy, obviously, that a lot of people have liked for a long time. Um, he's Ohio State tested. We know the guy can play. We know he can handle volume after last year. I mean, look, he didn't run, so we don't have a time speed. It doesn't bother me at all. I don't need, I know this guy is plenty fast enough. Um, you know, you know, interesting that he only came in at 209. I mean, that that that's the knock, and that's the reason I pegged him down just a little bit, um, is that, you know, at 209 pounds, you know, depending on where he goes, a lot of a lot of NFL teams would be like, at that weight, we're not going to give him a full load. So, you know, it's 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 hard to envision him being one of these guys who gets most of the juice. He's probably going to be in like a 70-30, 60-40 split, assuming he wins a job. So slight downgrade there. Slight downgrade because I don't think he's as good a receiver as Akers or Swift, but he's plenty good. I'm not worried about him being able to amass reception totals, okay? Um, and one thing that really jumps out for Dobbins is, you know, 23 on the bench at 209 is pretty impressive. And you see it on film. This guy's a very strong, compact runner, very good. Um, you know, n- not as tough as a typical OSURB in the blocking department, but he's okay. But, you know, normally I expect to sort of be blown away um, by OSU guys in terms of what they do with blocking. Um, you know, he's okay in pass pro. Um, not, you know, I, I'm used to watching Carlos Hyde and Zeke Elliott and people like that at OSU. So, you know, Dobbins a little bit behind those guys in terms of, uh, you know, just the mean factor um, and playing every element of the game. But he can absolutely run the football. Um, and I, I like him in the past game for sure. Um, you know, it, it, as far as where I want him to go, I, th- there's no place where I'd be worried about this guy as a football player. Um, we just want to see him go to a place where he can get volume. So go right back to the landing spots that I talked about earlier. Um, obviously, best case scenario for this guy um, would be like Dolphins or Falcons or Bucks, maybe the Rams. Those would be great spots for him. But because we're now getting to a level of back where these guys are so good, you know, if, you know, 
if Dobbins went to the Eagles, I think he's the guy. If if you know if he went to the Colts, I think he can take the gig. Um, if he goes to the Chiefs, I think eventually he'll overtake Damian Williams. So uh, if, you know if he went to the 49ers or something like that, I think eventually he'd be the lead back. So you know this is a guy who can go in and beat out some guys who we already think are pretty good players. Um, that's worth mentioning. Um, so really, 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 really like J.K. Dobbins like a ton. Um, now, the next guy on the list is Cam Akers at number three. Um, I sat there and it almost came down to a coin flip. But the reason I'm going with Akers is just really because he's about 10 pounds bigger. I think eight pounds bigger. Um, he he ran under 4.5 at 4.47, which we liked. Strong on the bench. Showed some explosivity. Um, in the vertical, in the broad jump. So Akers showed us everything that we see on film. The measurables were there. Um, this guy has been doing it for a long time. He's been a lead back at Florida State for years. Um, now, you know, when I was going through his statistics, some concern that this guy basically had a career against like Syracuse Wake and some school called Louisiana Monroe. Um, so that, you know, there's certainly that element where Akers lights up bad teams. He doesn't do as much against weak teams. But A... That's generally going to be the case for most backs, okay? Um, and, you know, the other thing is Florida State, they really, especially last year, they just didn't block well. I mean, this guy was really facing tough sledding on a weekly basis, and a lot of what this guy did, he did on his own. So, you know, give him some credit for that. Um, he gets a lot of credit for being great in the pass game. I think he's good in the pass game. I, I don't, you know, I've seen a lot of running backs who are better in the pass game, but He's a good enough runner where if he can just be good in the pass game, he can put up a lot of production as a receiver. Because the, the idea is just get this guy the rock and let him do his thing. Um, so you've got the weight at 217. He's going to have the size where NFL teams are going to be willing to give him a, a, you know, a legit lead role. He's proven. Um, there's sometimes a disconnect. There are times where he's looking to get physical where I would rather... Um, you know, see him doing more avoidance. Um, you know, I don't love everything about Cam Akers, but man, I, I like a lot about Cam Akers. He's also the youngest of the top four backs, not by a lot, just by a couple months, but he's a young back. He's not even 21 yet. Um, so and he, he, the thing about Akers, I think he's maybe got the weakest floor of these top four, but he's also got a ton of ceiling, three down skill set, the size to take volume, um, Draft capital is going to mean a lot for Akers. If for some reason he slips, then maybe we start to worry a little bit. But um, for, just for upside purposes, to me, he, he has to be in this top tier. And now, getting close to the tippy top, um, in the two-hole, 21 years old, out of Wisconsin, weighing 226 pounds, running a 4-3-niner at the Combine. Um, a little disappointing on the bench at 17 reps, but uh, Jonathan Taylor, man, this guy runs like a bat out of hell. Now, we knew that. We knew the guy could absolutely run the snot out of the football. We didn't even need to see the 4-3-9 for that. Uh, but I have to say, I was expecting something more in the 4-4-4 range. So, wow, that 4-3-9 uh, I, I, <laughs> is an attention getter. There's no way around it. Um, we knew he was athletic, um, jumped 36 inches, which is nice. The broad jump was good at 123. Um, he's a guy we absolutely like a lot. Um, the issue, as we talked about pre-combine, which is why I knew I was going to be below consensus on this guy, is, you know, as a receiver, you know, he's, uh, 
he's just okay. Maybe not even okay. I mean, he's I've got him sort of in the Alex Collins class as a, of a receiver. It's like, yeah, you could throw him the ball, and there's a good chance he'll catch it, and you know, then he'll turn around and maybe make a play after the catch. I mean, he can do things as a receiver, but the odds on Jonathan Taylor going to a team that wants to use him in straight-up passing situations, I just think you know, 80% of NFL teams have a guy they're going to want to put out there instead. Um, so he will lose some work in that sense. Um, but, you know, you know, I, I think at this point, everybody knows who the one guy is going to be, but I'll, I'll wait for a second. But, you know, Taylor could easily, based on landing spot, jump up to the top. He definitely could. If this guy gets a good landing spot where we can see him as a guy who's going to be getting volume right out of the gate, then he could jump up to one. Okay. Um, again, this top four is close, although I I did sort of toy with the idea. And you know what? Maybe I'll just do it right now on the podcast. You know, the top two is sort of its own tier. I, I, I don't have Akers or Dobbins on the same level for fantasy as I do the top, the guys in the top two. Uh, and t- look, Taylor is a guy who could, you know, come out from an upside perspective and who knows, maybe he's the next Adrian Peterson or something. I don't quite see that personally, but you never know. You never know. I mean, this, this guy is a tough runner. He runs through contact. I, I sort of had him pegged as a little bit of a Nick Chubb type. Um, and I think from a skill set perspective, I'm sticking with that. So, you know, there's a good chance that you know, he'll be like Chubb, where you're just going to have these huge games where the running game goes off and he scores some touchdowns, but then you'll have some down games where it's, you know, 18 carries for 69 yards. He's going to be that kind of player, I think. Um, But really, the only thing we need for Taylor is for him to go to a team that can block a little bit um, and for him to go to a team that wants to run. He needs the ground carries because you're not going to get the volume through the air. Now, rationally, you know, it's hard to envision the wrong team taking him because it's very clear what he is. But hey, this is the NFL. Teams like the Jets exist. I mean, who knows? And then that's the other obvious thing is because running backs go so late now, there is that bad luck factor where what if he goes to a team that's already got a big stud back? Um, now, Taylor could have the same upside as a guy like A.J. Dillon if he goes to the Titans, but then that year one payoff might not be there. So, you know, we'll have to see what the landing spots are. But to me, Taylor's going to be my second back, most likely, or my first back. Very, very unlikely that he can drop lower than that um, on my board. Uh, Unless you're playing in a league where the PPR, you know, uh, uh, points are through the roof. But, I mean, does anybody play more than full point PPR at this point? Um, So, you know, if... If Cam Akers goes to Miami and Jonathan Taylor goes to the Giants or something like that, maybe they end up flipping. I don't know. But I really like Jonathan Taylor. Um, Now, um, at the top spot, um, 21 years old, out of Georgia, 5'8", 212 pounds, which is key, uh, DeAndre Swift. Now, we were hoping Swift would be more like 215, but, you know, that's not very far off. He's big enough at 212 where NFL teams aren't going to be afraid to put him in a lead role and give him the work. I don't think any NFL team is going to be like, oh, at, at 2.12, and he'll probably end up playing at like 2.14, 2.15, something like that. I don't think any NFL team is going to sit there and say, now nah, we can't let this guy get worn down. Um, he, you know, this guy can be a 20-touch 20, 20 player uh, on most weeks. Um, but obviously, we, you know, just like everybody else, we've got that landing spot lottery. Um, depending on when these running backs start going off the board, um, they could be going to teams that already have established guys. Um, so, 
really, uh, Swift is an example of a guy who could end up in a committee as a rookie, um, even though I, you know he's my favorite back in this class. Now, why is he my favorite back? Um, first of all, there's really nothing to not like about DeAndre Swift. He's big enough. He's got a low center of gravity. He's very sudden. He's very smart. He runs smart. Very sudden in terms of change of direction, but very smart in terms of, of following the play. He knows when to freelance. You know, he's not like you know Benjamin, where he's just pure freelance all the time. Okay, um, so I like Swift a lot from the neck up. Um, very talented player. He's got that low center of gravity. So again, sudden, but he also is explosive. Thirty-five-five vertical, one hundred twenty-one inches in the broad jump. He ran fast, sub four-five. Um, you know. He, when, it, when I watch his film, you're already seeing he's got that versatility with route concepts. He can play from the line of scrimmage. He looks good doing just about everything. Um, you know, they'll use him in, when you're watching Georgia, they use him as a chess piece at times, moving him around pre snap. So, I mean, this guy's a three down back. Um, would love him in a place like the Colts. Uh, obviously, the Rams would be phenomenal. He'd just come in and take that thing over from the get go and just be a stud. Um, I love the way Swift runs. You know, he stays behind his pads. He's very in control, low heart rate kind of guy. You know, I love those guys. Um, the, the best comp I have for him, along with, you know, maybe like if you really want to shoot the moon, a guy like Marcus Allen. But the guy in the NFL right now who I sort of see Swift comparing well to is Duke Johnson. Now, I think he's better than Duke Johnson, but all those wonderful qualities. Um, that we saw in Duke Johnson, being a very smart back, not taking, you know, not taking chances when it's inappropriate, just being smart, understanding that it's always best to get vertical, um, but having the ability to to not be vertical when it suits you. Swift is like Duke in a lot of those ways, um, but he's also faster than Duke and he's bigger than Duke. So the problem, the problems that Duke has run into, A, being on teams that aren't particularly smart, but B, being on teams that have decided that, you know, he wasn't worth giving a workload to, even as a speculation kind of move, just to see what would happen. Um, you know, and maybe someday Duke gets his just deserves and actually gets a gig somewhere. He deserves it. But it's, this is not going to be what befalls Swift because he's got enough size. Um, and he's just a, and he's stronger than Duke. Duke. Duke has a little bit of a soft body type compared to a guy like Swift. But I see all those wonderful positives that we see in Duke Johnson in Swift, plus some other good things. Um, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. If you want to find a weakness in DeAndre Swift's game, it would probably just be power, ability to, you know, move the pile kind of thing. He's not that kind of back. But he can win a confrontation. He does it with skill and motor planning versus, you know, instead of raw power. Um, you know, I, if he goes to the wrong team, he might not be a consistent goal line back, right? You know, if he's there, if he's with a big goal line pounder, um, that could conceivably be an issue, but I doubt it, but it could be an issue. Um, you know, I, 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 he'd make a hell of a Patriot, by the way, but I don't see, I, I didn't even put the Patriots on the list just because they have so much uh, depth. Uh, but, you know, when you watch Swift run his routes, good feet, gets out of his brakes nicely, runs a nice choice route. There's so many things he can do. Um, uh, he runs with a nice smooth gait. Uh, he's got a good spin move both directions. Uh, I like the fact that he keeps his feet moving through contact on a regular basis. Uh, again, I love the north-south. You know, he'll sell a cut, but then he won't do the cut. He'll he'll sell the cut and then hit hits hit. You know, he'll hit the north-south. Um, I love backs that do that. Again, that's that Duke Johnson thing. Um, and he's a better. Um, 
pass blocker in my eyes than guys like Dobbins. Uh, I think he's ready to play in the NFL as a pass protector and you know has room to get better. So Swift is just one of those guys where the skill set is so complete. He doesn't have a ton of tread on his tire because he comes from Georgia where there's been a lot of other good backs. Um, so I'm just a real big fan of DeAndre Swift. Um, and landing spot will determine post-draft um, whether Swift or Taylor is the guy at the top of my board. Um, and then getting back to the reason why you know most of this offseason, when I have been talking football, and apologies that I haven't been talking as much, it's been a weird off season for me, folks. I, I taught, I told you guys on a couple of the other podcasts, but I went through the, like, the rehab of my jaw and, and a pretty significant ankle injury. And just as I'm coming out of all that stuff and, and getting to dig my heels back into my work, this damn virus comes along. So it's just been the off season from hell, obviously, um, for all of us in terms of this virus. And again, I really hope that all my listeners are doing okay. I really hope that none of you are in a real lurch at this point. Um, but again, back to this thing with Taylor and Swift, and well, back to Taylor specifically, the reason that I'm probably not going to be, like even if I love Taylor's landing spot, I'm not going to be trading up to get him because it's just not going to be worth the price due to the skill set. Um, and you know, the same goes for Swift. I'm not going to be moving up to get Swift um, unless I'm just absolutely in love with the landing spot. And then it would have to factor in with people not valuing him with me like if if swift is undervalued maybe i could move up maybe um but i don't see myself moving up for taylor i really don't see myself moving up in this draft because it's so incredibly deep i mean we've talked about these top 10 backs i really like these top 10 backs and there's some other backs that i like i think um you know, Javon Leak out of Maryland is, you know, both Maryland backs, I think, have potential. I like the Michael P. Ryan. I, I'm a little bummed that he came in so light and that he ran slow, but he's, he's, I think he's a good running back. You know, I talked about Eno Benjamin. He's, he's a good back if he can, you know, allow himself to be coached up a little bit um, and learn to combine following the scheme with his ability to create. Um, and, and there's some other guys that we like in this class. So, you know, eventually if I can get some rankings out before the draft and I'm going to try to do that we might have 20 back 20 backs ranked or something like that but this top 10 are really the guys that I like but when we look at this draft class and we look at the depth of receiver um you know I I don't see myself moving up for running backs just because to do it I'm going to be leaving a receiver that I probably like more and just moving up for the sake of position and, you know, none of the teams that I run in Dynasty are so hurting at running back that I would consider a move like that. Now, maybe for you, if you've got a team that's absolutely loaded at receiver and all you lack to compete in the near term is that running back, you know, let's, you know we'll talk about it when we get to our post-draft rankings, but it's possible that the cost of the move-ups may be okay for that kind of move, where it's like, hey, I want to compete right now. Here's what I need to do it. But by the same token, if you are in a league that drafts, say, you know, a couple weeks after the NFL draft, I mean, a lot of my leagues, I have one league that drafts legitimately the last day of the draft. Like, like, like my commissioner starts the clock the minute Mr. Irrelevant gets selected. But if you're in a draft where you get a few weeks where we can establish some ADP, then you might be in a position to move up just enough to get one of the backs you like and actually do it at a cost um, that isn't too bad because 
some of these receivers are so good, people are going to be willing to say, oh, yeah, man, I, I, I feel like taking a receiver. I'll slide back. And maybe you can move, say, from, you know, the seven to the four or something like that um, and do it, you know, without having to give up the store. Um, but anyway, uh, this is a good, solid running back class. Uh, certainly not the best I've ever seen, but it's a good, solid class. It is, I think, outshone. Uh, by the receivers. This is a, I think this is the best receiver class that I've seen since 2014. Um, so I wanted to get this done in under an hour, and we did it, man. Uh, we're sitting here around 52 minutes right now. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wind this sucker down. I will be doing a podcast or two, uh, as I said with Jordan McNamara. I we're looking either probably at a Friday or Saturday record. I don't know when he'll actually get that posted, um, but I'll keep you guys posted on that. Uh, I will be back in a couple days with a receiver podcast. Uh, there will also be um, probably a combined podcast for quarterbacks and tight ends. Uh, and then we're, you know, I'm going to get busy, real busy after the draft because I'm going to have rookie drafts. I'm going to be getting ready for them. And uh, I'll be sharing um, all that stuff with you guys just like I did last year. Um, so again, all the best out to all you guys, especially people who might have some corona in your household or in your family. Um, my wife's father um, is positive. So far, he's actually been doing okay. Um, if any of you guys have any sway with the big man upstairs, feel free to, to, to put him in your thoughts. I'd appreciate that. Um, and uh, I'll be back soon. So, so giddy up. Have, you know, uh, enjoy this uh, this week leading up to the draft. It's always fun going through all these mocks as, as rumors start floating around. Uh, and then obviously the shit hits the fan and then everything just gets resorted. And uh, I, I, for me, some of my favorite time is after the draft when I start evaluating landing spots, when you have all the information at your fingertips and you can really get into full-blown Dr. Evil mode. Anyway, um, onward and upward, all the best to you guys. Thanks for sticking with this podcast. I know it's been uneven since the end of the season. Um, and, you know, look, obviously we all hope that we have football. I hope that we have football this year. But I don't want it to be some type of cockamamie thing that, you know, where we, we're not, or it's not even real football. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe they find a way. Maybe we get this thing under control a little bit. Maybe the NFL finds a way to do it safely. I'm open-minded, but I hope it's just not the NFL's greed pushing something where a bunch of the players get sick. I mean, imagine like drafting the perfect team and then all your guys get Corona and nobody, you know, it's like, there's one element I don't want to have to deal with. Um, and I'm not even going to get into the idea. Imagine if like we start losing guys in our dynasty leagues, like guys dying from Corona or something like that. So, you know, it's sort of a be careful what you wish for kind of thing, but Ultimately, we're not going to be in control of this. It's going to be what it's going to be. And if there's football, we're going to have to figure out how to play it. And uh, we'll play it one step at a time, play it by year, and, and, and see what happens. I, you know, for me, I haven't really done any best ball this year. I'm probably not. Because to me, when there's that much variance that I can't control, there's already so much when you're drafting early best ball teams, so much speculation you have to go into, not knowing how the NFL is even going to play the season. You know, potentially having a season without training camp, whatever it is they plan on doing, I'll take the year off of best ball at this point. I, you know, with the caveat, if everything changes between now and June, hey, maybe I'll draft a handful of teams. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, that's going to do it for this rookie version, rookie running back version of the Rotobomb podcast. I'll be back soon. Uh, all the best to you guys and gals. Giddy up. It's going to end up. 
Boulevard. He's going out to the dirty boulevard. He's going down to the dirty boulevard. This room costs $2,000 a month. You can believe it, man, it's true. Somewhere a landlord's laughing till he wets his pants. No one dreams of being a doctor or a lawyer or anything. They dream of dealing on the dirty boulevard. Give me your hungry, your tired, your poor, I'll piss on them. That's what the statue of bigotry says. Your poor huddled masses, let's club them to death. And get it over with and just dump them on the boulevard. Get them out on the dirty boulevard. Going out to the dirty boulevard. They're going down on the dirty boulevard. Going out. It's a bright night, there's an opera at Lincoln Center. Movie stars arrive by limousine. The Klieg lights shoot up over the skyline of Manhattan, but the lights are out on the mean streets. A small kid stands by the Lincoln Tunnel. He's selling plastic roses for a buck. The traffic's backed up to 39th Street. The TV whores are calling the cops out for a suck. And back at the wheelchair, Pedro sits there dreaming. He's found a book on magic in a garbage can. He looks at the pictures and stares up at the cracked ceiling. At the count of three, he says, I hope I can disappear. And fly, fly away from this dirty boulevard. I want to fly, yeah. From the dirty boulevard, I want to fly. From the dirty boulevard, I want to fly, 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 fly. From the dirty boulevard, I wanna fly away. I wanna fly, fly, fly away. I wanna fly, fly, fly away. Fly, fly.